Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. If you want to check us out on all of our social media platforms, check us out on Twitter at Tinfoil Hat Cast. On Instagram at Tinfoil Hat Pod. Uh, you can find us on Reddit. Uh, it's reddit.com backslash r backslash Tinfoil Hat Show. Or all comedy t shirts.com. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, go ahead and email us at tinfoilhatpod at gmail.com. Oh, nope, that's not it. Man, we are learning as we go. Yay. Let's see if that's it. Tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat. Hey, man, what's the truth there, dog? Tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Ah. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcasted. Yes, we are back, and it is a very special show, and uh, I'm excited to do this. It's going to be a very special show today. Uh, we got a lot of people in the studio, so let's just get to it. Real quick, we got some business, as always, guys. Uh, we got great some great shows coming up here. Please support the show. Live shows October 3rd. I am at the Brea Improv. That's right. It's an evening of Sam Tripoli and his weirdo friends. I got uh, I have Kate Quigley, Mike Tully, uh, the Smash Brothers, and George Perez joining me. It's this Wednesday. Go to brea.improv.com. Com and grab your tickets now. It's going to be a wonderful night. And then October 6th, it is the Punch Drunk UFC 229 live preview show. We watch the fights, and then we're doing stand-up after. The lineup is stacked. It's only $10, so go check that out. And then we're super excited. October 14th, October 12th, it's the Tinfoil Hat Comedy Night at... The Philly Punchline. That's right, Philly. And tickets are moving pretty quick on that one. Go to the phillypunchline.com and you can grab tickets. Or you can just go to samtriplee.com. All of these shows are listed on there. Uh, so it's uh, October 12th. We're in Philadelphia. And then I go back to the homeland. That's right, upstate New York, you ghetto country motherfuckers. I'm coming October 14th, Syracuse Funny Bone in the Destiny Mall. Yes, a mall named after a stripper. I will be there with Eddie Bravo, myself, and guess what? My mother will be there. You will be able to ask her what went wrong. She worked so hard, and she put out such a weirdo. And you can ask Becky that question live in person. Take pictures of me and my mother. Again, all those tickets are available at samtriplee.com. And then the Patreon is rocking. You guys support the show. It's a great way to support the show. We're doing great. Uh, Joining me again, or for the first time here, he is joining me, uh, Xavier G., everybody. Bam! Yeah, I'm here to find out the truth. The truth. That's right. Look at it. We're getting ethnic on this show, huh? An Armenian and a Mexican just out there hunting for the truth. And that is the business real quick. I am super excited to uh, have uh, the brother and sister on of truth. Uh, I'm so excited to have you two on. Joining me from the podcast Media Roots Radio the one and only Robbie Martin and Abby Martin. How are you guys? Fucking great, man. Thanks we for got, having us on. You got such great shit going on. Robbie, you have a very heavy agenda. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, thanks for having us on, Sam. Yeah, um, it's a documentary film series about essentially about the neoconservatives who took us to war during the Bush administration and how they 
And the same neoconservatives back then are the same people responsible for bringing us into this new Cold War 2.0 scenario that we're in today. It is nuts. And, of course, everybody knows our returning champion, Abby Martin. She uh, did the show before, and we loved it, and the people loved it, so we had to have her back. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me back. The places you've gone and the people you see, you were always in it, mucking it up, just trying to get that truth out there. Trying to get the truth, man. So you have a lot of stuff going on. What's going on with Empire Files right now? So, yeah, I guess uh, it all went down after I saw you last, where Trump's sanctions on Venezuela have ramped up uh, the hostilities, the aggression on that country. Of course, uh, you know, Nikki Haley wants to be out there in the protests uh, with the Venezuelan opposition saying that they respect country's sovereignty, yet they are literally destroying and debilitating the economy there, uh, making it harder for poor people to get food, medicine, you know, normal sanctions, uh, the effects of sanctions on these countries. Actually, the worst sanctions on any country in that region since Nicaragua in the 1980s when we were waging a full-blown bloody war against the Sandinistas there. So, That's what's happening. Um, A happy happenstance of the sanctions has been a a constriction on Telesaur's ability to um, fund independent contractors and journalists who are doing productions for them. So I was one of the unfortunate casualties of the sanctions, as well as Tariq Ali. So we had to sever ties um, with Telesaur, and we had to go independent. And it just is really a sad state of affairs that in this country we have to just fund the journalists that we want to see because we're living in a corporate tyranny. For sure. Uh, you know what's so interesting is when, uh, you know, the, the, the bad guy, the, you know, are the leaders of our government – uh, they put their, their, their sights on a country, and it, it, they don't play games, whether they're communists or socialists, and you could have your opinions of these. And we always hear about how these, these, uh, these business models always fail. They're like, oh, they're failing, they're failing. But what they don't realize is that the entire global economy is built on whether the United States buys all the, right. anything from them. So what the, when they cut that off, that's, of course, it's going to fail. They, right. It's purposely done. It's not allowed to function in, a, in its natural state. It is being suffocated and choked out by not allowing um, U.S. Ac- uh, our population access to their goods. So now it's crashing and burning. So I saw you put out that tweet about, yeah. uh, uh, about how uh, during these hearings, we, you know, Trump just gave like this giant tax break of, of the billions. And of right. course, someone asked a tweet, well, what are you talking about? You're, you're, you're supported by this guy starving his own, his own population. And it's such a ridiculous statement being said because it's being done on purpose. They are not playing ball with the, the international bankers. They're not just giving over their oil, their resources. And so what's going on is they're cutting them off. And that's why the system, in my opinion, isn't working. No, thank you for saying that because a lot of people will say, oh, it's it's an obvious failure of the socialist model. And, and I just say, look at what the CIA has been doing in that region and in every region um, since the CIA's existence. And you can look back at Salvador Allende back in 1973 before they installed Pinochet's ruthless tyrant uh, regime where they said they wanted to make the economy scream and they wanted to push Salvador Allende from the left and try to foment all this meddling with like supposed union leaders in the country. So it was all a ruse to basically crash the economy. And that's exactly what they're doing today. It's a full-blown economic war and we need to respect the sovereignty of these nations and defend the rights of these countries that are still in the crosshairs of empire, Sam. Yeah, they can't allow this whole thing. with. And, you know, I get that there's people who are going to listen to this that are not socialists or even into socialism and some things I'm libertarian on and some things I'm socialist on. But you can't tell me a system doesn't work when it's fucking, they're making it fail. It's not happening in its natural thing. And that's, 
it's an amazing how all these dark, dark forces at work. And this is this topic we want to talk about. You know, Robbie, you'd hit me up before, and I, I was like, oh, man, I'd love to get you on. And we were kind of like, hey, what do you want to talk about? And you brought up basically the anthrax scare of 2001. And I was like, okay, if the Martin kids want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. You know, like anything they're into, I'm into, right? But then I started researching this, and it just it blew my mind how important this story is because it's so relevant to what's going on right now. And in particular, as we go through this, I want you to know is how similar not only the game plan is, but almost the players are to Russian Gate right now. It is so similar. It is mind-blowing to me. And, you know, when I tell people, I'm like, hey, take a look at Bill Clinton's, uh, his administration and Trump's administration. I go, look how similar they are. And they're like, and then you start realizing they just keep running the same playbook. And because we're goldfish, the most people are goldfish, mm-hmm. and the only thing that really matters is what is in front of you at this moment is the only truth that's important. And it's like there, you don't remember what's behind you. And this is a great example. It's the same game plan. How did you get into this, Robbie? How did you really start studying all this stuff? Because you put out a wonderful, um, you put out like a kind of like a thirty-five minute movie on it, right? A little doc on it. Uh, yeah. What was the name of that doc again? Uh, it's called American Anthrax. Yeah, okay, that's I should have known that. Right? <laughs> it's America and it's Anthrax. I should have gotten that. Uh, what made you decide to do that? Um, if I remember back correctly, I think it was when I first read Glenn Greenwald's series in Salon. Um, before Glenn Greenwald got you know involved in the Snowden documents and his beat became NSA surveillance and and the, way before the Intercept. Greenwald wrote a series for Salon, I think it was around 2008, that basically went back into the anthrax attacks and really jogged my own memory of those events. Um, I, you know, I sort of vaguely remembered them happening, um, but I didn't know, you know how the investigation resolved. I didn't really know much about it. But in Grant, uh, Greenwald's series, he made a really strong case for essentially that the Bush administration um, used the anthrax attacks as one of their primary planks for pushing uh, the American public into the Iraq war. And his argument was that things like aluminum tubes, um, you know, the idea that Iraq had sarin gas, um, those were just things that the Bush administration merely tacked on to that narrative post 9-11 uh, to sort of spike the idea, you know, to, to really entice the public into wanting to go to war with Iraq. But what it really was, was the core of the propaganda model was a real attack that was happening in the United States uh, one month after 9-11 uh, that involved weaponized anthrax uh, being sent through the U.S. mail system. And in his series, he traced back, um, you know, mainstream media reports like from ABC News' Brian Ross who put out disinformation saying that the anthrax found in these letters that were being sent around had fingerprints that came from Saddam Hussein. And there were other insinuations made by George W. Bush himself about, you know, that this was a second wave of terror, um, you know, insinuating that this was essentially the second stage of the 9-11 attacks. Um, They didn't directly say that it was an attack by al-Qaeda, but they alluded to it multiple times. Um, but it was left to ma- mainly the mainstream media in D.C. to sort of fill in the holes and to 
you know, put out the allegations that maybe Saddam Hussein or al-Qaeda are behind this attack. And, you know, also what the article served to do, this series that Greenwald wrote, is sort of jog my memory of how hysterical um, the anthrax attacks made the American public. Because if you think about it, 9-11 was kind of an isolated event. You know, as, as horrific as it was, it took place over the course of one day. Um, it involved, you know, Pennsylvania, uh, Virginia, where the Pentagon is, and Manhattan. But what the anthrax attacks did is they made the American public feel as if terrorism would be an ongoing, continuous thing, and that 9-11 was not an isolated incident. Um, because multiple letters actually got sent out through the mail, and five people, five Americans, ended up dying from uh, weaponized anthrax infection. Um, so, it, it, I mean, that, that article series really got me started, you know, going down my own rabbit hole and, and doing my own research. And, and I think it just kind of eventually, you know, influenced me to make a, a documentary on it. And that documentary that I made is sort of primarily based off of uh, Greenwald's original series. Well, how great is Greenwald? I mean, like, and it's some weird thing where he still gets on mainstream media to be able to tell his point which is, is amazing, but he really is the voice of reason a lot of time with uh, what's going on out there. When I watch these videos that, you know, about this subject, and man, what a wor worm, a little rabbit hole you can go on <laughs> with. Uh, I mean, there's a rabbit hole for everything, by the way. If you want to believe that SpongeBob SquarePants is about gay porn, there's a <laughs> rabbit hole for that. You can be lost for hours going, they're all into gay sex. It's just weird, right? But um, this thing you go down, and the thing I notice is like, I, as I'm watching this, I, I, I get I get this feeling when I watch like like Nazi propaganda, and you're like, why did you guys fall for this? Why did you, dude? It's so obvious. It's bullshit. And then you think I was there, and I really wasn't falling for it, but I went along with it. Where I go, this doesn't make any sense. I remember George Bush going, man, they hate us. Because of our freedoms. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, if they really hated freedom, why aren't they bombing Amsterdam? I mean, like, you can go to Amsterdam and get a hooker and heroin in a meal deal. And, like, why isn't that place lit up by somebody? If they really hated freedom, why weren't they going after Amsterdam? I, oh, and I remember saying on stage and people just staring at me like, <laughs> why are you saying this, dude? You know, and I'm just like, this is the time we have to say something. But as I watch this, and then I also think about the media's recent push about... Like George Bush and like, mm. what a good guy. I gave candy to Michelle Obama and everybody should be high-fiving. And then you go back and you look at the blatant lie. And even this push that right now kind of by people like, man, he wasn't smart enough to know what was going on. Man, right. he, was, he you know, was Dick Cheney. And I even started to fall for that for a little bit. And then you watch these speeches. And, you know, he's just straight up in it as well. Just the manipulation that is going like with the manipulation going on with the left right now with Russia Gate mm -hmm. and, and how they're just sore losers and but that like the manipulation of like we got attacked and like how they just use that to just make not only make money just take away rights and freedoms of like uh, privacy and how this was like a doubling down where like if we didn't get you in Oklahoma City boom we got you with this and even if there's a couple of you left bam here's a, another one on top of that. 
Well, 9-11, just I feel like the reason that we have Trump today is because 9-11 broke everyone's brains. It's like people deeply think that something was wrong about what we've been told. I mean, over 50 percent of Americans think that we were lied to, right? New Yorkers tried to reinitiate an investigation. It was thwarted by Giuliani and then Bloomberg. So here we are with this really deep-seated kind of notion that something was horribly wrong with that day. We watched 3,000 people perish in front of our eyes over and over and over again. I mean, what kind of psychological torture is that? 24-7, it was the first time that we saw a 24-hour news cycle. Yeah. The next time we saw that was with um, Anna Nicole Smith's death, oddly enough. So that, that just kind of weird. shows you the, <laughs> the spectrum here. But right after that, as we're watching 3,000 people either uh, you know, pulverize into powder or jump to their deaths, then the anthrax letters come out. And it was almost like a parody of a terrorist. Death to Israel, Allah is great. Right. Um, very strange, right? And it wasn't until a year later that actually a perpetrator was even floated around. And like Robbie was saying, the press was selected for this. They were the instruments to put out this propaganda in a very um, selective way from these anonymous government officials, right? That's what you see with all this shit. Oh, yeah. Russiagate, the Iraq War, chemical weapons propaganda. It's always anonymous government officials pushing this narrative out to these willing and acquiescent Beltway reporters that set the tone for the Washington consensus. And and with this attack, it was no different. They were saying there was bentonite in the anthrax tying it to Saddam's weapon facilities. Bush never said that. The reporters said that shit. Um, and then it was floated around that it was Stephen Hatfield, this guy, um, just this, this guy who worked within Fort Detrick. So all of a sudden it comes out that, oh, wait a minute, this wasn't an actual Al-Qaeda terrorist. This was someone from the inside, yeah, right? And, a year after. And that, now that story falls... Now the 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 Iraq falls flat after a year. Is that how it goes? So so you said that the attacks happened, Robbie. You said it happened after a month mm-hmm. later, but wasn't it eight days later? I thought it was September eighteenth, the or uh, seven days later that that this is the the, the first anthrax scare actually happened. Is, is that correct, or was it a month well, later? The, September eighteenth. No, you got the date right, but the the date is when the the letters were actually postmarked and sent to the oh, mail. Okay. And, and just just to clarify, this is one of the things that I found in my research is that the anthrax letters themselves, um, a lot of, you know, for example, taking the five victims who died from the anthrax, we don't know actually how most of those victims died from anthrax. So the first anthrax victim, Robert Stevens, um, a fo- photojournalist for The Sun, um, no letter was ever found. Um, no letter was ever found for the 94-year-old lady in Connecticut who died. Um, so this, so this anthrax, yeah, the FBI now says that the anthrax attack started on the 18th because that's when the letters were sent out. But what they omit from that is they don't know for sure how some of these people actually died from anthrax. Their sort of narrative is that they must have all died from these letters. But that is something that we simply actually don't know um, for sure. And that's a very interesting statement because you see this, you know, and this is a conspiracy show and I speak for myself here. But when you let's go into the Vegas shooting, right? We the narrative is set by the people you think might be actually behind some stuff. Now, I don't know. I get into the I, I think there was dark hearts within the Vegas shooting, but we are we work off that nine eleven. We work off the people who we believe are behind it. Set the stage through the through 
uh, the, the, the media, they tell us this isn't happening. Mm. And it takes truth people like ourselves to have to work off that. And we are literally working off the people who might have caused it, setting the stage right. for it. Do you understand what right. I'm saying? Like, right. so, so what we're working on is here, these nine people died. Do we even know they died from that? Five people, yeah. But, Five people, right? Yeah. Do we even know that they died from that? That's just the narrative that's put out by the people that we later on realize might be behind the whole thing. Yeah, we have to pick apart their contradictions and their own narrative. But I think that it is confirmed that those five people did die from weaponized anthrax, which is so perplexing because a lot of them, well, well two of them, namely, weren't near any sort of mail facility. It really is not traced back, especially this older woman in Connecticut. I mean, she was just a you know, 90-year-old lady who just lived in the suburbs. I mean, how the fuck did she contract how anthrax? How did she get it? It's insane. Does anyone, is there any <laughs> theories? Like, well, I mean, only the FBI has, again, you know, their catch-all theory for all of the deaths is essentially, oh, mail sorters in these different postal facilities around the country tested positive for anthrax. Therefore, this is how these people must have gotten it. But that's the best theory they've come up with. But it didn't have mm. to be letters because there were 17 non-fatal injuries. So exactly. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm guessing there wasn't – what would it be, 22 letters sent out? Yeah, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. It must have been 22 letters because 22 people got hurt in general. Yeah, got sick from it. That's interesting. So so the big ones are obviously the politicians. And what, what later we find out is that these are the guys who rightfully had a problem with the Patriot Act. Yeah. And they were basically – go on, Robbie. Sorry. Yeah, let's talk oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, Tom Daschle and, and Patrick Leahy is, is who you're referring to. They were they, – they wouldn't, you, you wouldn't even consider them civil libertarians. They're actually fairly centrist Democrats. But at the time, they were merely asking Cheney and John Ashcroft to delay um, the vote because they wanted more time to discuss it. Nobody had a chance to read the bill. <laughs> John Conyers actually admits in Fahrenheit 9-11 in an interview with Michael Moore, he says, nobody reads these things. Nobody read this, talking about the Patriot Act. So Dashiell and Leahy were like, wait, this is like a really sweeping civil liberties eroding bill. We need more time to talk about this. And then about two weeks after that, Dashiell gets a letter addressed to him with weaponized anthrax in it. And And then about two weeks after that, Leahy gets one. Uh, with weaponized anthrax in it. They were actually both meant to arrive on the same day, but apparently the Leahy letter uh, <laughs> got lost in the mail and came about two weeks later. Uh, poor rerouted. UPS. They can't even get that right. <laughs> how how <laughs> bizarre is it that it was unfurled? The Patriot Act was just unfurled so quickly, too. It is so weird. Like, this, <laughs> this just happened. But, by the way, this giant bill's ready to go. We wrote this in, like, we wrote this a billion-page bill in a couple hours. It just happens to be ready after this giant fucking event. Right. And nobody questions that. Right. Yeah, and these these targets too. I mean, it is quite disturbing because you can see, and, and American Anthrax is so great too because my brother doesn't insert any narration; he right. just shows the clips, and you can see the contradictions themselves, and you can see Leahy and Dashiell talking about this after the fact, and they are fucking like bone chilled. I mean, they are terrified about what happened to them because they know that there's something else to the story. You have um, Dashiell saying, you know, he, he thinks that there was something wrong with what we've been told. He doesn't think that the, that we know the truth. He doesn't think that Bruce Ivins or Stephen Hathaway were the perpetrator. You have Leahy saying, yeah, he thinks that there were other perps from the inside. 
that were part of this. Um, so that's really, really scary that you have centrist Dems, you know, who were targeted by this, not buying the official story. And then we can get into what happened to these poor saps who were accused and what they fucking did to them. It is, it is, it is nuts. Yeah. It is not, a lot of people don't understand that this is like almost like the third wave. You know, yeah. like the, the Oklahoma City attacks were the first time we saw this erosion of our, our rights to privacy. And it was the first time we said, okay, man, we, we're going to have to be able to look at – they started taking away some of our, our rights, I believe, right? That was kind of the belief, the belief yeah. under uh, uh, Bill Clinton that they attacked this building. And there's interesting stuff about that, in particular, like who, who was security of the OKC building happened just also be security of the, you know, the World Trade Center. They were both – in. This one company just happened to be ran by George Bush's cousin, I believe, which is Michael Bush, or his brother, Michael Bush, was the security company in charge of both of those buildings. And uh, so that was the beginning of the erosion of the the, uh, civil rights. And then what they couldn't get with that, supposedly the next they got with with uh 9-11 which was you know the nsa and all that stuff and that that was a big thing there and then what they couldn't get with that i feel like you know anthrax was okay it's still coming mm-hmm. it could be anywhere it could your be grandma any- living in connecticut and what i never understood was like they even told us they had the information you're like you need we need to be able to get gather the information well you have the information yeah, the bush administration was on cipro the an- the anthrax antibiotic That's the crazy uh, wasn't thing. it up to a month before, Robbie, and how many other people were on that? Um, so on the evening of 9-11, apparently um, Kroll, uh, Kroll Inc. managing director Jerome Hauer told Cheney's staff at the White House to start taking Cipro, which is, uh, which is really disturbing considering that all these postal workers were handling mail you know, in, in the Washington, D.C. area, um, and none of them were told to get on Cipro. Um, it was actually even reported, uh, I think it was sometime around late September, that a, a postal worker who later died um, remembers seeing someone open up a, a letter with powder in it in the post office, and then the manager comes over and takes it away, and the letter's never seen again. Wow. So it's quite sad and disturbing that two postal workers ended up dying. These are federal employees who were never given any such warning, um, and they died uh, – Somewhere, somewhere around two months after uh, the Bush administration was allegedly already taking Cipro. Um, and what's even more disturbing is that during the speech that Bush gives when he signs the Patriot Act into law, he mentions both Patriot or sorry, both postal workers as being heroes in the fight in the war on terror right after they had died. He mentions their names and yet they were not told to get on Cipro, and he and he apparently luck, was lucky enough to be on Cipro or be inoculated, you know, and his staff was, along with Cheney's staff, um, before the attacks even happened, before any of the letters went out. So I mean, that's it, damn. That, yeah, I mean, like, right? how do we? How does that not an issue to everybody? That right. basically they were preparing for something that they act like just randomly happened out yeah. of nowhere, right? <laughs> They just happen to be taking the antibody for the one disease that just happened to be attacking them, right? Like, they didn't exactly. take anything for, like, fucking uh, mad cow disease. 
<laughs> right? They weren't on mad cow disease blocker or anything like that. Nothing like that. They just happened to have nailed it. Of all the diseases out there, they nailed the one that is coming towards the, that happens to be the disease they're attacking. It's unbelievable to yeah. me. Yeah, and then when they found out that bentonite was a total bullshit theory, that there had, had no traces of bentonite, had nothing to do with Saddam's weapons cache, um, then so it came out that it actually was a highly uh, weaponized grade that came from within Fort Detrick, Maryland, which was an inside job. And so they knew this very soon after, yet they there was no press conference. There was no... Um, correction to the media. There was no, nothing at all from these administration officials saying, you know what, we were wrong. This is actually where the anthrax came from. They just let it linger in the public consciousness that this was actually, a, again, a third yeah. wave of, of Islamic terrorism. It's That's unbelievable. All and then, like, in your movie, you have that one thing where it's meet the press and the guy, they're interviewing the guy. And he's like, "What's what do you think's the next li- line of the, f- uh, the next uh, attack will be? And he was talking about chemical weapons. And I found it so interesting because he's like, well, what do you think the next wave of tax will be? I'll be chemical weapons. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Good night. And they, like, end the interview there. Yeah, and, yeah, just, yeah. and you're like, what, what, what? Goodbye and good luck. Right? <laughs> and, it was, and you go back to, like, you remember when we had the color warning? Oh, yeah. And they're like, That guy's oh. on the board of uh, the Russia watchdog troll group now. And Michael Chertoff, I mean, he's in, he's in uh, the think tank that's running the – Russian propaganda disinformation campaign. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you like, can't it's make this up. For securing democracy. Yeah. It's salmon-colored fucking terrorist <laughs> attack today, and you got to get out your little board, and you're checking your colors. What does that mean? And they, oh, there, there could be, a, and they tell you everything about where the attack might happen. <laughs> so you're just running around going, is something going to happen? Like, you got and what antibiotics to be on? Yeah. <laughs> that would have helped. It's so, <laughs> it's, it's so unbelievable. It is, and then, so... So they do that where they have that, that, that meet the press and he puts yeah. it out. And then do you guys believe that that's all done on purpose? Like is that guy saying that right there, the beginning of their move to use this to erode and push, push forward this bill for the Patriot Act? Is that calculated? That's my, what I'm trying to say. Do you believe that guy going on that more is, calcula- is a calculated move to begin to get people to believe in the anthrax attack? Robbie. I mean, in, the, in case of the clip you're talking about, um, Richard Pearl was the guy who said that, that the next attack might be chemical or biological. And, you know, I mean, I, if I were to speculate, I would say yes, um, he is. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he's such a bizarre, evil character um, for so many other reasons that I, you know, I could go, I could go for hours just about him. But yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> we'll I, I, I think, that, too. <laughs> I think that that I think, yeah, it's simple, short answer, yes. And like, do these people like? We'll get into some of the uh, reporters that were involved in this. Do you think, as a reporter yourself, is there a moment where you remember where you realized I am going to have to report on something that I know is not real? And the higher ups want me to put this out. And did you take a moment where you're like, I'm not going to do that. And that's why you went your way. 
You know, I, I saw it happening so many times around me, and that's what obviously drove me to get into the journalism that I do today, which is advocacy journalism, wearing my heart on my sleeve and not following these, like, unbiased fucking rules where you have to sh- cite anonymous government officials or defense contractors or think tanks stacked with CIA, you know, or weapons contractors in order to tell the other side of the story. It's unbelievable. So, but Operation these, Monarch. Oh, and yeah, and Mockingbird. Mockingbird that shit is still so pervasive today. You know oh, what I mean? sure. But you look at these Bush administration officials, And I was just telling my brother this earlier, and it's so different from the Trump administration because the Trump administration, yeah, they're all liars, but they all act like they're kind of bumbling idiots and buffoons. And there's this deep state, counter deep state narrative going on. But they're all liars and they're all maniacal, sadistic liars as well. But the Bush administration really fucking looked like liars. Like they all were just lying through their goddamn teeth. And you can tell that they were lying. And all of these people up there, I mean, there's there was actual reporters there. I don't know where their writing was at, at the time, but there were reporters in that room confronting these administration officials saying, do you have any direct evidence that this is the people that you say it is? And they just are bumbling around. Their eyes are darting around. I mean, it's as clear as day. But like you, I mean, I never second – I never like gave it a second thought Yeah, it's, because you're so inundated with the 9-11 shit and now we're in the war on terror and now we have this endless bombing campaign against multiple countries and it just goes on and on and on. When I hear people like going off on Trump and I, I just laugh at, at how – they're like they act like evil started a year and a half right, ago. Right. Like it was just sunshine <laughs> and blue skies, and then all of a sudden this orangutan got in, and then it just the world is going. And it's like, no man, this stuff has been going on for a very long time, even before Nixon. This is a long term plan. These people who are doing it, international bakers, deep state, whatever you want to call them, their plan isn't like I got to do this by like Wednesday. You know, it's like. I, this may not happen in my time, but it, we're going to march forward till we get to this certain kind of new world order or whatever you want to call it, you know? But my question is, like, like these 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 report. Oh, what's his name? The reporter basically pushed the whole thing. Oh, right, yeah. What's his name? Um, Who was it, Robbie? Brian Ross. Brian, Brian Ross. Ross. Yeah, yeah. Now, is he doing this knowing he's lying or is he in this position? They're like, oh, this guy Ross is so gullible and so he wants to be so he wants to be so big he'll do whatever we tell him to do. Does he know he's being an agent of misinformation? Well, it's kind of similar to Piers Morgan. When I confronted Piers Morgan about spreading uh, Russiagate Cold War propaganda and and he laughed at me and I said, you're self-censoring. If you don't understand what you're doing, you're self-censoring. He said, I don't self-censor. And he he actually doesn't. And it's like what Chomsky talks about. I mean, these people are in these positions of power in these journalist agencies because they play ball. They play the game and it's all about access at the end of the day. Um, It really, really is about access. Do you think Rachel Maddow really believes in Russian collusion? I think that she's convinced herself of it and that she's bankrolled her entire career at this point on it. And so you have to convince yourself that it's true at that point. And they really, really do. These people really do believe in American exceptionalism. They really do believe that America is morally superior and that justifies our atrocities around the world. It's really sad, but it's true. And as someone who lived in D.C., I can testify to that firsthand. And and speaking of these criminals who have been just skating through administrations, these deep state insiders, Robbie, let's talk about Giuliani, who's Trump's personal lawyer. He was the 9-11 criminal and he had ties to the anthrax attacks, too. I mean, people don't realize that. Robbie, talk about Giuliani. (laughs) 
I mean, like everybody's acting like this dude is some white knight, man. Right. He's like, oh man, he's gonna go after these these like these uh these deep state people. You're like, man, he he. Oh, you, yeah. you tell- Where was he on nine eleven? I mean, yeah. that's crazy. Well, sure. So, so Giuliani. <laughs> I mean, Giuliani's connection to just the deep state apparatus as we classically know it goes back to the 1980s. He worked in the Reagan administration and um, was involved in uh, helping defend. People who are involved in the BCCI Bank, which is largely known now as sort of a conduit for funding like CIA black ops operations. Um, he also his law firm also represented Manuel Noriega when he was a CIA asset in the late 80s. Oh, my um, God. Giuliani, Giuliani um, then went into the anthrax cleanup business after the anthrax attacks and actually was um, – in charge of a project in 2004 to clean up the site of the first anthrax death, uh, Robert Stevens. Now, what's strange about that, and I was just actually talking to Abby about this, it's just a a strange coincidence, perhaps. Um, But Rudy Giuliani and Trump have been very good friends, you know, ever since before 9-11, you know, all throughout the 90s. Um, American Media Inc., the building uh, where Robert Stevens worked, um, is actually owned by Robert Fisk, who's a good friend of Trump's as well. And it is just a strange coincidence that Rudy Giuliani goes and cleans up this building in 2004 that apparently has in it a, a safe that Robert Fisk, Trump's friend, put in it, holding securely documents that are apparently incriminating to Trump that the National Enquirer bought and hid in a safe that only Robert Fisk had the combination to. Um, that's just a strange, you know, Hold I don't on. know if he's going to do that. Is this but, recent? Uh, no, I mean, this is not recent. This has been known about Robert Fisk and Trump for a long time is that, that the National Enquirer was, uh, had a very close relationship with Trump, um, going back to the eighties. Um, but Giuliani, I mean, Giuliani's involvement with just bioterrorism and, uh, and hyping up anthrax fears is, um, I, I don't know if there's any single character in this whole story who has as many bizarre connections to anthrax as, as Giuliani does. And additionally, his colleague um, that he hired while working as um, mayor for New York City for the New York City Emergency Office of Emergency Management, Jerome Hauer, um, is someone who's also bizarrely linked to not just the anthrax attacks, but also 9-11 itself. So... Here you have two men, uh, you know, Rudy Giuliani and Jerome Hauer, who have who are loaded up with strange co- uh, connections to both attacks, 9-11 and anthrax. Um, and it's something that I think, you know, a lot of sort of truthers have looked into Giuliani and Hauer's roles, potential roles in 9-11. But not very many people have looked into their roles in anthrax and sort of, you know, combine them together and, and, and try to make a case about that. But I think it's worth, you know, looking into because it's very, very strange. And yeah, and Giuliani was doing these walking press tours the morning of 9-11 instead of actually trying to help the firefighters. And, and somehow he knew that the buildings would collapse before anyone else did. And he didn't warn them. And he For also didn't sure. supply them the, the emergency management systems to try to talk to each other on the radios. I mean, he is a criminal. And, and it's, it's disgusting that he's like Trump's personal lawyer and he's just all over TV. These people just don't go away. They're always there. It's so deep, man. The corruption is so deep at, the, <laughs> at every level. I mean, like we've talked about this before on the show, just this Awan Brothers scandal that went on and how like it involved uh, Wasserman Schultz 
and who was like funding these Awan brothers and they were just giving data away to all these quote unquote enemy states. And then the prosecutor of the case is Debbie Wasserman Schultz's brother. Brother! And they never, every article that comes out never once told you who the prosecutor was. It's just like Betsy DeVos's brother is. Eric Prince of Blackwater. You're like, how come no one talks about the fact that your brother's leading a mercenary cult? That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's at every level. It is. It is at every level. I and want it, like a big cloud chart of all the people, like, the, you know, the actual one, not the actual Putin thing that people make fun of always sunny, but an actual one of these deep state people. Because yeah. it would be very interesting to see who they're all tied to. So so this is the, the Bush administration starts pushing it towards al-Qaeda, pushing it towards... Uh, Saddam Hussein, which is hilarious because they were all they were both on the U.S. payroll at some point. Way back in the day, there's very famous pictures of George Bush Sr. shaking hands with Saddam Hussein. Later, you know, obviously Hillary Clinton even says that we basically funded and created Al Qaeda then to fight the Russians in Afghanistan, basically to bring them in to try to weaken their their uh, empire. And now, obviously, ISIS, and we've heard all that with Benghazi. With, like, Benghazi's, is it really about, like, emails? It is, but it's really more about how much did they know about that attack? And did they let that attack happen? Because that guy knew a lot more stuff than anybody uh, really wanted to know. And that is a big part of the Benghazi. They're very good at how they frame s- s- events and cases. They frame it so you're like, oh, this is what we're really upset about. Even if you look at this Kavanaugh uh, thing going on right now. Kavanaugh's a piece of shit, okay? Mm. He's a piece of shit. But what they don't tell you is that, oh, yeah, we're mad at this sexual assault thing, which is bad, okay? But they also don't tell you that he's very much into uh, the military police state. Yep, pro-torture. Pro-torture, doesn't think the president has to answer to anybody, can do whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, It is for wiretapping everybody. But they'll never tell you that because the people interviewing him about whether he should be a judge or not are cool with that shit, too. Right, exactly. Exactly. That's not an issue. He was a Bush administration official. He was a Bush administration official. It's It's for the same reason that... It's for the same reason the media doesn't, you know, ever go after Trump for trying to start a war with Iran. I mean, those are the things that the media essentially wants and will help. If Trump does that, they'll be there behind him, egging him on. I mean, that's... That's how fucked up this is. <laughs> oh, one more, one more quick thing about Giuliani. He was just speaking. The MEK, the Mujahideen al-Khalq, is like a cult that foments regime change. They've assassinated nuclear scientists in Iran. They work with the Mossad. They work with the CIA. And they really are very small, but they have enormous funding. They also fund politicians and sponsor them. So anyway, they were funding this big Iran uprising um, conference in New York and Giuliani spoke at it because he's just a fucking shill for this cult and on the day of this terrorist attack in Iran um, the media shamed Iran they're like how fucking humiliating that you guys got shot up in a military parade and oh, yeah, kids the were parade. killed you fucking pathetic losers for letting yourself get attacked by terrorism so Giuliani on the day that this happens he's like he he's speaking at this MEK thing and he's like we will overthrow Iran he's like maybe not today maybe not tomorrow he's like but it will happen it's like the, I mean, these, the arrogance and belligerence of these people is just mind-bending. And, how, like, who are we, Bruce Lee? Can we fight, like, 30 <laughs> people at one time? I mean, like, how many countries can we fight at one fucking time, man? Yeah, and Iran, unlike Iraq, has, it will be a very tough 
battle. Like it, it's not going to go down without a fight because they've learned since you know the overthrow of Mosaddegh, and so that's that's what they've been preparing for. And it's just like, and it's very much a lot of Israel policies, you know, a lot of Saudi Arabian mm-hmm. policies, you know, Shiites versus Sunnis, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just all goes back to just how they interpret, you know, Islam and just this fight. They're all, they're all Islamic, but they just see it a little different. So now there's this giant war, Israel with greater Israel. Nobody yep. looks at that. Yep. Like. Yeah. And, and then Saudi Arabia, it's like, hey, dude, I don't know if you see this, but is, greater Israel is a big chunk of your country. And you're like, <laughs> like kumbaya with these guys. Right. Like, I mean, like, sometimes I'm like, do you guys see what's going on here? It's so interesting. Yeah, they just, Israel just killed seven more people on Friday last week. Uh, a kid, an 11-year-old kid. I mean, this shit's happening every day. And then meanwhile, they claim that, you know, Syria's launching rockets at them. They're like, you're in their fucking airspace. Why are you there? It's so they're already selling land rights, mineral rights, oil rights in Syria to this group of like the most evil of evil. Like there's so many levels of evil, like this black belt level of evil, like like the 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 Rothschild who's basically the guy from fucking The Simpsons, right? <laughs> <laughs> like they literally drew that guy right. to look like what's his Mr. What, Burns. Yeah, 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 Mr. Burns to look like the one yeah. Rothschild guy. <laughs> that dude, Dick Cheney. Somehow the governor of New Mexico gets into this fucking group, right? Everyone's welcome. Yeah. Everyone's We're all well. We have to have Everyone's an ethic on our group. We can't be all white evil people. So they're already selling, you know, uh, land rights in Syria, and like people, are like, what do you? I don't see why people don't get this. And I, and what makes me even sad. More sad is how Hollywood is just not saying anything and just it's just an, a propaganda arm of this. And and I you know, I know art has always been kind of used by, you know, the powerful to get a message across, but it's never been more worse than this. There oh, is no horrible. resistance to any any fucking like, hey dude. Uh, we're bombing everybody. I think, shouldn't we stop? Where, where's the anti-war where's movement? Where's the making a movie about that? <laughs> like the actual reality of the war on terror. Anyone... I guess they won't get the tanks they need from the from the Pentagon if they don't approve the script. Oh, yeah. And then like every movie's uh, like a military movie. Yeah. Every TV. Like there's literally shows on TV called the FBI, <laughs> the CIA. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, let's uh, let's see this incredibly hot chick fight terrorism. And, and you're like, hey, I'd like to be in the FBI and the CIA. And then you find this this chick, Dr. Uh, Ford, her connections to the CIA. And it's like her father's very high up in black ops. She did worked in some stuff in, uh, I, I think I, I'm scaring you guys at this point, but some stuff. <laughs> she worked in like the Stanford recruitment. It's like crazy. And it's all interconnected. It's all theater. It's all theater, man. Let's talk really quickly about the the perps who were uh, allegedly behind the anthrax attacks because oh, it, sure. it, it gets so tragic when you see who this guy was for what seven years. Robbie Stephen Hatfield was accused. Before he was, we get into this, yeah, 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 just yeah, real quick, who is the guy? This is where I right. go. It's the same game plan. Who is the guy 
doing the investigation. Oh, right. Our good friend Bob, yeah. right? <laughs> good old Bob. Let's, let's kick him some GoFundMe uh, money. He's, he's way, being unfairly the, persecuted. Is the GoFundMe the new bride? Yeah, apparently, did you see Kavanaugh's family is getting like 500K? Why? He's a fucking idiot. He loses his job. getting money. <laughs> like, what is going on? It's like, oh, we don't have to bribe you. We'll just do crowdsourcing We'll just have Democrats, unwitting morons, just fund your GoFundMe. Like, it's, how is this happening? It's so weird. Yeah, Robbie, talk about uh, Mueller's role. Good old this. Robert Good Mueller. Good old Bob. Good old Bob Good is old running Bob. this investigation again. He's it's- the hero. He's the resistance hero, though. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing that it's kind of like Mueller pitted against Giuliani because both men have, you know, involvement. I believe in the in the anthrax attacks themselves, or at least in the cover up. I mean, Robert Mueller, while he was head of the FBI, this is a guy who was uh, hired. I think it was around two weeks before 9-11 to be director of the FBI. So he was very new to the job. And uh, apparently um, they made a decision at some point to try and pin the attacks on this Fort Detrick, Maryland bioweapons uh, scientist, now retired, named Stephen Hatfill. And they did just so many things to him to essentially just try to break him as a human being. And one of the things that Robert Mueller ordered was what people describe as bumper lock surveillance, which is the kind of surveillance that fed federal law enforcement does when they want to intimidate someone and to just psychologically just sort of get in their head and fuck with them. And one of the things they did was, uh, they called the local news, um, uh, like t- TV stations in the area to come and film, Hatfield's house while they searched it um, and and they would apparently just stand outside of his house um, with like sunglasses on and flip him off when he walked out his front door I mean these are things that Stephen Hatfield's lawyer actually testified to in court um, so what happened was Stephen Hatfield um, actually later said that he was so upset and depressed by being uh, dragged through the dirt by the Bush administration for this that he contemplated suicide um, but he ended up being strong enough to actually sort of withstand all this pressure from the FBI. He didn't back down. He didn't admit to anything. Um, he had a very good lawyer representing him. And he actually filed a $6 million lawsuit against the U.S. government. Um, actually, I believe it was something originally he sued them for like hundreds of millions of dollars in the original lawsuit. But they ended up settling uh, with him for $6 million dollars. Um, because of essentially what uh, the accusation was that John Ashcroft and other people from uh, the attorney general's office were were basically libeling him. John Ashcroft would go out on TV and say, Stephen Hatfield, he would say his name, is a person of interest. Um, so this is <laughs> a, this is him of being an anthrax terrorist. It's unbelievable. But keep going, Robbie. That's yeah, no. And then so John Ashcroft in this lawsuit, actually, there's a videotape of John Ashcroft answering to Stephen Hatfield's lawyer. And he's like, do you think it was appropriate to say Stephen Hatfield was a person of interest? And John Ashcroft just says, I don't know. And the lawyer proceeds to ask him about a hundred more questions. And in the deposition, John Ashcroft literally answers, I don't know to 80 of the questions. I don't know. I don't know over and over again. So, um, so they, the government actually ended up paying Stephen Hatfield $6 million dollars so that the lawsuit could not continue discovery to figure out what government agents leaked to the U.S. press his name. 
So the U.S. government was willing to pay $6 million to cover their own ass so that none of their own people who leaked this information would be known about. Um, so that's how much they wanted to cover it up. Now – and oh, Sorry, go, go ahead. On, sorry, sorry. No, go and on. Mueller, yeah. Mueller was in charge of – But how did they get pick him? Now, I watched a couple videos on this and I forget the name. The guy who actually created the, the weaponized anthrax, there, I, I forget what his name is, but there was rumors that, and according to this video I watched, that, that this guy that they went after was actually his co-worker and actually helped develop this. And not that he was, it was meant to be used as a weapon the way it was, but he would have knowledge of how it was made and maybe who was actually behind it. So what a great way to actually nip that the bud than to say he was the guy that did it. Did you, did you hear course. anything about that? Oh, yeah. No, they, they they totally – I mean that that was definitely one aspect of it because what the FBI did is in secret, while the Bush administration and Colin Powell were trying to use anthrax to get us into Iraq, the FBI secretly had a profile – that they were spreading around that said that they believe it was a white, lonely, depressed scientist who had expertise in making weaponized anthrax. That's it, Now, man. that profile included a, basically not that many people around the country fit that profile. So Stephen Hatfield was originally one of them in that profile. Um, so was Bruce Ivins, who oddly the FBI was consulting with on the case up until around 2006. Now, but Stephen Hatfield, um, one of the main things the, the media tried to do to make it seem like he was the killer was they're like, well, this guy released a, a science fiction book sort of in the style of um, the hot zone about an imaginary bioterror attack using anthrax. Now, that's what they tried to use hot to be zone? like, this is the guy. Sounds like a that's gay so bathhouse. The search, the, the, <laughs> the FBI was in search of evidence that they uh, drained a pond. Really? That one acre pond? Wow. Right? I didn't know that. They drained uh, a pond? Yeah, the FBI, um, that wow. was actually when Bruce Ivins was still consulting for them. Uh, they they drained a pond in Maryland, and I believe it was trying to find some evidence to pin Stephen Hatfield to the attacks. Um, and then it was at a cost of something like a million dollars. I mean, like it cost a lot of money to drain that pond. It was a really big... How about a giant pond? So, so I deep you have to look into to, to drain a pond. That's fucking to the amazing. Bottom of the pond. Uh, we got about fifty minutes. Left. I just want to get in some. So Colin Powell. I mean, like this, they brought this guy back again, and he's some voice of reason that they're using on RussiaGate and all that other stuff. And then you just see him holding that vial, which looked like every Coke party I went to in <laughs> in Hollywood. They're like, "Daddy's here! I party, party!" You know, so. So he's holding this and just like lied to everybody. And then, and then you know, I did a, a political comedy show and they're like, Russia Gate's real. And I go, you know what it is? I just got a, a message from somebody. They found evidence of rushing <laughs> hacking right next to the weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> and guess who was running the whole thing? The killer that OJ Simpson's still looking for. <laughs> right? right? And it's just like you're falling for it right. again. You're falling for it again. And, you know, this Brian Ross guy, like, I mean, like, the story was they got these dogs named Tinkerbell, Lucy, and Knight. Like, yeah. 
these that was the work of anthrax dogs out there because like people don't realize about drug dogs they're actually like addicts they're like hey man I smell coke over there let's go get some coke <laughs> they're like and then they give them like the thing and it's like they just get a nice gacker right there right <laughs> so what are you telling me there's like anthrax dogs that are hooked on anthrax just maylining anthrax out there Tinkerbell's like man I'll get weird for <laughs> like anthrax right now <laughs> is that we- nope nobody thinks it is weird. it is just me it and Abby is strange it is strange. Oh, by the way, Colin Powell, when he gave that infamous speech holding up the vial of anthrax, the guy who wrote that speech, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, who's now, you know, very vocal kind of anti-imperialist warning us about the dangers of U.S. hegemony. When I interviewed him a couple of years ago, I asked him, you know, did, do you have any comment on the fact that the anthrax actually came from inside the oh, house? Yeah. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you don't even know <laughs> that the anthrax was an inside job? And you wrote the speech tying weird. Saddam to... This and I think that that just goes along with how much of a black hole in our memory bank it really is. Like so much so that even these people, like it just was a blip on the radar for them because all so much other shit is going on. But really, how much of an impact did the anthrax attacks really have? And this poor guy Bruce Ivins, who they ultimately pinned it on, like Robbie was saying, he helped out with the investigation for years as someone else was unjustly accused, and then he ends up. Committing suicide, um, and and their whole reason for him being the perpetrator is that he was a depressed um, alcoholic, and so therefore there's your circumstantial evidence of, of how he did it. And they're so that's it. Cold Case closed. Blooded. They're cold blood. So they're working with this guy. So they go after Iraq. That doesn't Al Qaeda. That doesn't work. They go after this second scientist. They get sued. That doesn't work. And this guy's working with them, yeah. probably trying to find <laughs> yeah, out exactly. where this shit's coming exactly. from. And they're just waiting to pounce. They're like, and, who else? Uh, yeah. You fit the profile, like, right? <laughs> like, it's like that yeah. weird. They're like, huh? no, no, not me, not me, right? It, it was the time, the time charts. Yeah, because during those months. He was like a lot at the. Um, oh right, right. Yeah. So they were able to just be like, "You were here, really working hard, trying to find the perp." So yep. <laughs> you. Oh, that's uh, then like. Are you were working hard? No, that was before the perpetrator. But they yeah. went after their ki- his kids, offering yeah. like millions of on dollars? their hospital bed, <laughs> showing them photos of anthrax victims. I mean, you can look at pictures of their houses just ransacked. I, it, it's really hard to imagine what these people went through, especially being told to the entire world that you are a terrorist. And that you sent out anthrax to people and killed five people. And, and, and then they they don't do any DNA tests on the actual envelopes, right? They don't do tests like who licks the envelope. Oh, yeah. Robbie, who, talk who, about the uh, discrepancy with the DNA. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. That, at the very end of all this, um, the FBI, before they actually came out and said Bruce Ivins was the killer, they were like, and we have the DNA evidence to prove it. This is not just a circumstantial case, they claimed. So what they did is they hired an agency called the NAS, which is a government agency. I believe it's somewhat also privatized to um, do this actual DNA research themselves to confirm their results. And before the NAS even concluded with their own investigation, the FBI is just like, uh, we don't care what you guys say now. We're just going to go forward with our conclusions. But the NAS continued their own investigation. Then about a year later was like, Actually, now that we've concluded this, we, our results do not confirm what the FBI said. So the DNA evidence they were leaning on is their only, really their only piece of physical evidence to tie Ivans to the crime was actually thrown out by the NAS. Um, and just an example of how, you know, the, you know, we talk about these people without really giving as much of a personal touch to it. You know, we know their names and stuff. 
But I just came across this really interesting email from Bruce Ivins that he sent to a colleague uh, two months before he you know, allegedly committed suicide. And he said, um, however, it seems as though I have been selected as the blood sacrifice for this whole thing. Oh, man. He says, now it seems that the people in power have determined that I must suffer and die in order to appease the Bush Cheney Rumsfeld types. Wow. So this is actually something the guy who the FBI pinned the attacks on wrote in an email two months before he died. He committed suicide. Um, so it's very, very disturbing. He knew, um, you know, he seemed to be very aware of the fact that the FBI, because he was, again, part of their investigation, had run out of options and had been, become desperate to try to pin it on someone. Ugh, and you had brought up that how he died maybe didn't even make any sex, sense for how, what kind of, ex, he was an expert a doctor in that he would take all this aspirin and it would be like a painful, a it's painful, a, slow Tylenol or was yeah. it aspirin? Tylenol, tylenol. It doesn't even make sense, right? Does it even make sense that he would do that? I mean, these suicides are all weird. These recent suicides of like people with scarves and they're all sitting in their chairs. It's just like really bizarre, bizarre shit. Now, the thing that we later on find out that the facility that he worked at did not actually even make powderized anthrax right it only made liquid anthrax which was not they had and they didn't even have the ability to turn the liquid into anthrax so it's impossible that it came from that facility and that the only facility that in the country that made that was the army's dugway proving grounds in utah that's that's correct that's the only u.s government facility that we know of that already had um, stockpiles of weaponized anthrax, you know, ready to send out. However, um, there we there is a CIA contractor named Battelle, private uh, in the private industry that does also make um, weaponized anthrax. And there was actually a whistleblower named Matt DeHart, who I interviewed in jail, who says that he was sent documents from a rogue FBI agent who believed that the CIA was actually behind the attacks, the anthrax attacks. Oh. And in these documents, uh, this this FBI whistleblower alleges that Battelle was the actual possible source for that, uh, for the anthrax. Now, that's the interesting thing about the NAS. When they came out and said the DNA didn't match, you know, we can't prove this came from Ivan's. They also were essentially saying that we can't prove where this came from at all. So that's another interesting thing. So anyone who's out there saying that the DNA, you know, proves exactly which batch this came from and where would be lying because, you know, essentially uh, the way the NAS describes it is it was by design hard to trace, um, which kind of also is has some similarities to this cyber hacking, you know, attribution. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we like it's really impossible to attribute something like that. But yet well, it's all blamed on Russia. And again, like Russia, this thing is they put out information and then they use that information saying they got the information as a reason for action. Right, mm. so we're finding with the Russian collusion and the cold and the uh, Russian dossier, or I always say it wrong, but you know that thing that they actually were putting that information out and then giving it to somebody. The media would mention, it, and then they would use that as a reason 
to move forward. So just they like, put up. Yeah, just like the think tanks stacked with CIA contractors and Iraq war architects that are now saying, here's the bots, and then they use the bots as a justification to say, we're meddling in this election, in this election. It's just an, a self fulfilling prophecy um, engineered by the exact same people that we're talking about. Yeah. And Stephen, I mean, poor Bruce Ivins, you look at his case study, and it really does not make sense why this guy would have wanted to, first of all, frame Muslims. Right after yeah. 9-11 to, to pretend that he was an anthrax uh, Muslim terrorist, right? And secondly, why would they target the, the people who were um, opposing the Patriot Act? So those exactly. are two lingering questions that really have never been answered. And also, even if someone was to make the argument that, oh, he was a, you know, the FBI has tried to say that Ivans was a super patriot and was actually <laughs> like really on Bush's side and wanted them to do more things. And apparently, you know, one of the motives might might have been that he didn't like that D- uh, Dashiell and Leahy were were impeding the Patriot Act, <laughs> but that doesn't hold up to scrutiny because no one knew that. No one, no one outside of that inside baseball scenario knew anything about that until years later. So it's not a. It doesn't make sense as a motive for someone on the outside. However, it does make sense for someone as a motive who had inside knowledge about those debates between Dashiell and Leahy in the White House. It's like almost like a neocon sex fantasy that there's some guy going out there going, God damn, these guys are holding back. Patriot Act, man. I know what I'm going to do. I love America. I'm going to send anthrax. Oh, clean up, aisle five, you know. So we get to, um, so real one thing. uh, Well, you know, it's it's very interesting because uh, when you find out that there's something like, like Russiagate, like they mm-hmm. found out that you know Hillary's biggest weakness was her uranium one and working with the Russians. So what a great way to kind of, you know, kind of deflect that from you and onto uh, your opponents to say he's he's doing all this fucking shit and he's doing all this. So what a great way is like deflect it from that you actually did this and put it on to Bruce Irving's like that because you knew that it was going to eventually come out that the truth is that you're behind all this crazy shit. I don't even know if I made sense right there. No, yeah, the point absolutely. is, I just... No, it makes sense. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what uh, happened. I want to get into... I had this... <laughs> and I go, like... where are you going with this point in my head? Um, <laughs> I want to go into uh, Dark Winter. Because yeah, you sent me that like a day or... You uh, sent me this. And I couldn't read the whole thing. I go, what should I focus on? And you go, these pages in Dark Winter. And uh, for people listening to this podcast, when you hear about Dark Winter... It will all really make sense to you. Can you tell us, Robbie, a little bit about Dark Winter? Yeah, so so Dark Winter was a bioterror attack simulation drill that took place um, just a few months before 9-11 from, uh, I believe it was June 22nd to the 23rd of 2001. And in this drill uh, were actually four uh, U.S. journalists participated in it. One of them was Judith Miller. Um, who later became infamous for being a big conduit for the Bush administration's Iraq war propaganda. Um, And two other participants from the U.S. government were also in it. James Woolsey, former CIA director, and Jerome Hauer, uh, managing director at Kroll, Inc. Uh, Kroll, Inc. was the company in charge of World Trade Center security around the time of 9-11. This this drill... Uh, is very bizarre in many ways because it eerily seems to predict the anthrax attacks that would that would happen just a few months later in October 2001. And 
you know, we hear this term fake news all the time now um, and, and the term crisis actors, you know, and it sort of has lost its meaning somewhat. But Operation Dark Winter is essentially uh, has simulated news broadcasts uh, with actors playing reporters. You can actually go watch them on YouTube right now if you type in Operation Dark Winter um, describing this simulated event. And what it was was in this script for this drill, um, the U.S. government was trying to deal with a bioterror smallpox attack on Oklahoma City. Um, oh. of, you know, that links back again to the Oklahoma City yeah. bombings. But, but what's, what's interesting about this script that they wrote as each consecutive day of the drill, the time is compressed in the drill itself. It only took place over two days, but the actual events in the in the scenario last about two weeks. So the time gets compressed, and over each consecutive day in this simulation, the disease spreads further out of Oklahoma City to the point where millions of people in the U.S. are infected from smallpox that was delivered by terrorists. And the very last news broadcast that you can go watch on YouTube, again – says that the U.S. government now believes that whoever delivered this smallpox was dealing with state actors in Iraq, and they delivered it through, like, proxies from Afghanistan working with bin Laden's al-Qaeda group. So this is very odd that a drill took place, you know, only three months before the anthra- actual anthrax attacks that had so many similarities to the attacks themselves. Um, and, you know... In the drill, I think it was something like at the end of it, um, it's basically a full on societal collapse in the United States. Um, The stock market has been closed. (laughs) Hospitals are completely full. People are being rounded into camps by the CDC and the U.S. Army. There's martial law. So, again, in this drill, they also sort of go into sort of the, you know, the, the stuff we usually only used to hear about on the Alex Jones show you know, in terms of like rounding people up and sending them into camps, this is actually something that happens in this drill uh, because so many people are unable to get treatment for smallpox. And in the drill, they also say that terrorists have now sent a threatening letter into a reporter saying that they have anthrax next and that that's going to be the next attack after smallpox. And in reality, outside of this drill, three months later, um, anthrax killed five americans (laughs) it is unbelievable if you follow the show you realize simulation drills happen so much within these high impact events Uh, almost every one of them you can find out that they were running a drill at some point there's actually audio of uh, a a drill being ran during 9-11 while it was going on and the fighter pilot going is this live is this real or is this still a drill and I mean, like, I know you guys deal more in the geopolitics of it, but within this show, we could break down all these different high-impact events. And the, there's, you know, I mean, the Parkland shooting, there's kids going, well, they were running a drill, and then we didn't know it was real. And then and it's just like, oh, it's like over and over and over and over again, we see these things happen. And that is actually a calling card of these things where we go, okay, there's there's some dark elements that go. And... Do you believe that if you sit there and go that that the anthrax is a inside job, does that have some co- correlation to nine eleven in your in your eyes, Robbie? Or is that too much of a leap? No, I think I mean it's absolutely absolutely what I would say, and I mean even the FBI's official conclusion is that it was an inside job. I mean they say it was a lone. They just say it's a lone nut. 
you know, who worked for the government who went crazy. <laughs> but I, says. but I would, I would argue that it's, it's definitely a conspiracy. It wasn't one. It couldn't have been done by one person. It would have been impossible. Coordinated effort. And it had to have been a coordinated effort that I believe possibly even involved some of the same neoconservatives who, um, who you know, who worked in and out of the Bush administration. And I would add to that by saying the actual victims of the attack, Patrick Leahy and Tom Daschle, also agree with us. And they're on camera saying nothing makes sense. Uh, they don't believe what the government has said. And they think that there were potentially multiple perps. Um, and that should really leave uh, a chill down everyone's spine because, again, these are centrist Democrats who were victimized by this, um, and they've pretty much shut up ever since, wouldn't you? Yeah. If you were sent anthrax in the mail. I mean, dude, you got <laughs> anthrax. <laughs> and you now got these, mail. And now these Iraq war architects, going along with where we're at today, not only the Russiagate hysteria, but these people are working in concert with tech giants to curate our reality and to backpage any sort of adversarial content that counters these hegemonic narratives that For sell sure. the bipartisan foreign policy consensus. And so we're just wading through um, trying to pick out what reality is, and it's getting way more difficult. I feel that what's going to happen is there's going to be some kind of break. I don't know what it is where we're just going to unplug and maybe go. Because, I mean, you see people at Google freaking out that Google is – ready to work with China on this super censorship spying stuff. And it's just like, you know, everybody's like, I'm proud to be an American, yeah. American, American. I'm like, what does that mean to anybody <laughs> anymore? I'm proud to be an American as you like sell out. Like how much money is enough money? And like, I hate to tell everybody in the Terminator movies, there's no Rothschilds, <laughs> by the way. You guys are creating all these AI robot people. There's no nerds running around. They're all gone too, man. They, the robots don't go, okay, you made a... You know, I'm watching this video of Boston Dynamics and they're like kicking these robots as... Ro I'm like, when does the Moses of robots show up and like, free my people! And they just turn and they just start fucking nailing us. I, I, that's why I treat robots... I'm nice to ATM machines. I let them know. I'm like, hey, dude, you're doing a good job, man. You're doing a good job. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a crazy... I hope people enjoyed this because... Like, I knew this had happened, but I didn't know how – how, it's just the same game plan. And it's, at the very least, these people knew it was that, – like, that's giving them the very The least top a chaperone of Like, you knew it was coming, and you fucking took Cipro, and you saved your own ass, and you let poor people die. And that is the best case right. scenario here. Disgusting. Before we go, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, your art? My art? Well, I'm a psychedelic artist. Ever since my brother gave me DMT when I was what 17. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, mom. Um, no, I've been I've been exploring abstract psychedelic art, and it started off just uh, with acrylics, and now I'm into collages, and I want to do an art show next where I'm. Um, portraying all the horrible visceral images of war and death and destruction from the U.S. empire. And then around those images, I want to display all the comments that I get from dudes. <laughs> so that's going to be my sure next project. It's going to be really intense. Yeah. I, I, sometimes, I, I, you know, I'm my own man. That's why I ain't your group. I ain't in no man group. I'm not going to defend men. I control my own thing. And I don't know how you guys deal with it because you guys are – Definitely into. Can we see some of our artwork? If you oh, want, thank real you. Quick, can we get oh, it on awesome. top here? Thank you very much. You know, and I don't know how you handle this, but you know, for me, it's just like 
I can only control myself. Yes. And like I have to clean up Sam Tripoli's yard. Not all men. Yeah, not, not all, all men. men. But I need to I need to control my and how I interact right. with people. Right. Uh, you know, I you know, treat people who have it hard and like not stop thinking they, they're there by bad decisions they made, but sometimes life dealt them some bad hands and maybe ray out of the womb they got bad hands. And maybe show a little empathy, you know? Empathy maybe, is key. You know, not sit here and sit, I mean, I'm watching this video that you put out, Robbie, and I'm seeing fucking John McCain <laughs> lie through his fucking teeth. And I'm like, you know, then they're like, what a war hero he was. He like cared so much about America. And you're like, ah. Oh, I go, I can't, in this moment where he's about to pass and we are setting the record on his legacy, I can't let people quietly, or just just eat it all up. I'm going to yeah. fucking shit in your birthday cake, and I'm going to let you know that guy's a fucking war criminal, <laughs> and he fucking profited off the deaths of brown people and yes. your sons and daughters. Yes. Cognitive dissonance is insane, dude. All we can't I, tie the migrant crisis and the immigration crisis to our policies. Yes. And we're just punching down at the most poor and vulnerable people while we are causing this. It's really astounding. Racism is an awful thing. But if you sat down with a fucking guy in the KKK and you sat down with a gangbanger and you asked them what's going on in their life, I guarantee you they'll talk about how they fucking feel powerless and they're just trying to do something to explain where the fuck they are in life. And racism is a bad thing. Gangbanging is a bad thing. But people, they, they, they're powerless in this moment. These Mexicans, these illegals come in. It's because our drug fucking policies have fucking made Mexico this fucking dangerous ass place. Nobody wants to leave Mexico. It's a wonderful country. It's beautiful. But it's fucking violent. And it's all because of drug cartels and drugs that. And like, am I wrong here? No, you're right. People down there will tell you the reason we're fucked is because the... These people can't. These white people can't stop sniffing cocaine. Yeah, but the problem isn't down there. Like, there's not a drug problem down there. It's just they got no money, and they know that the money is here. So right. And when they tried to legalize drugs, the U.S. government went in and fucking cracked skulls. Yeah, they tried to legalize drugs just the minimal use, and they said no. And then, and they won't do it because guess who gives them cash? Right. Fast. Oh yeah, I heard that 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 they're going to try to decriminalize, and they and the U.S. Oh wow. Well, Fast and Furious, yeah. Obama's Flooded like, with guns. guns are like, oh, well, we were running a sting. And like, dude, you only say that because you got caught. And look at Honduras, El Salvador, these coups that were instrumental in. All the people are coming. The MS-13 was exported from L.A. back to, I mean, it's just, it just goes on and on and on. It's just like, I don't know, I don't know what, what they think the end result is because at the end of the day the world economy runs on us buying stuff and if nobody's got jobs and nobody's working and everybody's hooked on drugs how's the economy go how does your fucking evil new world order go if nobody's got jobs everybody's miserable and nothing's working out and the world is going to keep shrinking yeah it's just so we have to learn to live with well, each other Robbie, I'm so thankful you came on. I really enjoyed talking to you, and I always love having you on, Abby. You're always welcome. Awesome. Uh, your art exhibit, I don't know when that is, but we will promote the Great. fuck out of it. Uh, Aaron? Thanks for having us on. No, Sam. anytime. Let's real quick here, because this is my favorite part, as uh, our, our, our guests come on and spill their hearts and their knowledge out. <laughs> and we always want to hear what uh, Aaron, the guy who quietly sits and ignores everything, thinks. <laughs> Aaron, thoughts? I don't think I've sat here and ignored everything. Okay. Um, it's really interesting. I do remember all this going down, and, and, and like most people probably have no clue how it actually played out because it, it kind of got washed away uh, totally. behind, obviously, behind all the coverage of 9-11. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. So, by the way, that's the best response anyone's ever gotten from anybody. So you guys got the high score. <laughs> Thank, Congratulations. You. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> the uh, thought of the remark of, "Hey, I remember all this," and that was the best we've ever gotten. So. Uh, Thank you guys very much. Thank we you hopefully so much. we'll do it again down the line. If I'm in San Francisco, you're in San Francisco, right, Robbie? I'm in, I'm in Oakland, yeah, just a 10, 10 minutes out of San Francisco. Okay, Antifa hotbed. Antifa sol- super soldier hotbed. Dude, why would you ever go to Berkeley, dude? I went to college to drink and get laid. Those kids are like, oh, I got to put on my ski mask and riot again. What <laughs> awful waste of your prime sex years. You're wasting your time, Berkeley. Go get weird. Let us fight. You go have go fun. Go waterboard John Yu. He's yeah. teaching there. Okay. You got- oh, really? Yeah, he's still, right, Robbie? I'd I'd respect Antifa and Berkeley more if they went and kicked John Yu in the balls because he he's, teaches at UC Berkeley. Yeah, he's yeah, been yeah, fine yeah. like the whole time. They care more about Ben Shapiro. Yeah. So weird. All right, so guys. Weird, man. All right. Uh, it's a wonderful time. Enjoy your time on this planet. It's short. Have a good time, and we'll see you guys soon. Peace. Thanks a lot, Sam. You're the best, Robbie. <laughs>